Okay, guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. My name is Ben. Hey, I'm Steven. Hi, I'm Brian Lankford, and I'm a software engineer at Clear Function. Oh, Brian is new on the podcast, isn't he? Yes. Welcome, Brian. So today we want to talk about uh, Scrum and just project management kind of in general, how we manage projects here and what our experiences have been in the past. We uh, recently came back out of, uh, at the time of recording, came back out of DevSpace, a a regional conference uh, in our area. And these two guys, uh, Stephen and Brian, both went to an Agile is not Scrum talk, uh, which motivated a lot of good conversation. We thought it'd be a good, good episode for the podcast. So um, just to start us off, for the uninitiated, it might sound a little confusing. Maybe some folks don't even know what Scrum is. Uh, let's just start at a high level, Stephen. What, what is Scrum? What would you say s- someone, yeah, to someone? Yeah, sure. I just wanted to tag on the, the, uh, the title of the, of the session that we went to was Scrum is Agile, but Agile is not Scrum. Okay, and so ba- I got it backwards. And, and basically, <laughs> basically, it was just the, the, the talk was surrounding how um, Scrum is a part of the agile methodology it's a it's a it's a type of uh it's it it's housed i guess within the uh agile framework but um there are some distinguishing factors about scrum um that that don't immediately tie it or um directly tie it to agile they're not synonymous i guess is what i'm trying to say good correction there. um yeah so um i i think for the sake of this discussion we can kind of think of Scrum as an iterative and incremental agile software development framework for managing projects and products specific, more specifically. I have a lot of experience uh, working in Scrum teams, um, both as a project manager and um, as a product lead. And so th- this talk's really exciting to me. It's something that I'm, I'm in every day and um, I've been a part of a lot of different teams that do it a bit differently. And so I think that's a little bit of what we're going to discuss today. Uh, I think just the general idea, uh, a couple couple points from the Agile Manifesto, which kind of breaks down what Agile is as a as a process, and it it just calls out people over process, uh, working software over over comprehensive documentation, customer collaboration over contract negotiating, and responding to change over following a plan. Right, uh, projects change. Uh, midstream and so being the idea of, of being responsive to those changes as opposed to following the plan into the grave and shipping something that doesn't actually meet the need um, so th- those are kind of the high level pieces and uh, that's I think where we want to open the discussion yeah yeah so so what I hear you saying is uh, as a project methodology we realize that whatever we go with there are going to be trade-offs and we have yep. to manage those trade-offs and manage the risk around those trade-offs as best we can scrum tends to toward a few things over a few other things and you mentioned four bullets which I guess we'll just talk a little bit about each one more in detail so the first one you said was um, people over process so Brian do you want to talk about a little bit about how scrum does that exactly yeah uh, so uh, people of a process. Um, I, I had previously worked on worked with another company that was very uh, different as far as Scrum goes. Is doing their project management style. It's more of a maybe a waterfall process is probably what you could equate it what they were doing. Um, and it felt like many times that in that process that, um, that there was a lot of um, 
you, you know, meetings around uh, various status of things and um, documentation and things like that. It was very, um, uh, all these things had to be sort of there and checked off and done a certain way um, and couldn't deviate too much uh, from that plan. And uh, what I feel like people process sort of does is say, you know, um, it's good to have process. We should have pro- mm-hmm. a process. I think that helps us drive getting um, working software done and, and things like that. It's good to have meetings. Um, but um, I think what people process tells me is that it, let's put more importance on, over the people instead of the process. Sometimes we need to uh, break the rules um, because it's best for the overall project. And, um, you know, that's okay. Um, and so I don't know that to me in general, that's probably one of the things that, uh, speaks to me about scrum is, uh, not getting too, um, strict over the process. And, and, you know, like one, one thing that, uh, you know, one thing that comes to mind is thinking about how, um, if, if someone, uh, if a, let's say a company comes up with a process and it's just there just for process sake um, and it's not really um, sort of uh, uh, accepted by the team or seemingly accepted by the team, you know, let's throw it out. It's not, let's don't put process in for process sake. Mm. Let's, uh, let's do the right thing. And uh, that makes sense for the entire team to take advantage of and, and get benefit out of. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's sort of one of the, things that I've sort of thought about when it comes to people process. Yeah, I think it makes great sense. And I think it leads straight into to the second point you mentioned, Stephen, which is working software over comprehensive documentation um, and just Scrum favoring uh, shipping, more of a continuous delivery model, I guess we could say, um, over, uh, you know, just having every single thing documented or logged or, or whatever it is. Um, and so how have you seen kind of the requirements side of things play a part in Scrum specifically? Right, so the idea of working software over, over uh, comprehensive documentation um, it, it is drastically different in a in a Scrum environment versus a waterfall process, uh, and and basically what's what's celebrated in that is that um, delivering in iterative cycles uh, or sprint cycles uh, software that could potentially be shipped and and uh, used by customers. Um, over the idea of um, executing the comprehensive documentation and then delivering the project uh, or the product to to the customer, you know, uh, months down the road, it's the idea that um, when when you have working software, you're going to understand things about it that are either great that you didn't identify or yep. that don't work as you intended, uh, or or that or that maybe a stakeholder thought. Um, and so the, the, the idea is to get that working software in the hands of stakeholders, even the dev team, uh, so they can get, it can be pounded on and it can be enhanced, um, at an earlier stage, as opposed to beginning those, those feedback cycles, um, you know, at the very end of the project life cycle. So shipping a version 0.1.2 is better than never shipping the perfect 1.0. Sure, right. And and just to clarify the idea of ship, it's ship to production or or some sort of environment that's that's testable by some type of user. Even if those users are only internal, if they're internal stakeholders, it's it's getting something working uh, and delivering value to the stakeholders and 
customer uh, at an earlier stage um, to to again uh, get get buy in um, and collaboration with the customer or yeah. the stakeholder as opposed to dumping it in their lap after four months of work. Uh, only to find out that some of the initial right. things that you worked on are are really not as valid as you thought at the beginning of the project. Yeah, or like you said, things changed and, yep. and requirements are just a little bit maybe nuanced now. Um, so as a developer, I, I kind of see a tension in this particular trade-off. Uh, just kind of as I mentioned earlier, the requirements discovery phase of, of any project or product uh, and just things being in flux or maybe things not being well-defined can, can tend to be a tension of wanting to move quickly or, or get things done in the, the correct way. Mm-hmm. How do we kind of manage that on either projects or products well? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think I think some of it goes back to trust in, in the team and the stakeholders in the team. But uh, what Scrum does really well is lay out um, where the boundaries for requirements need to be. Um, Scrum is not saying, hey, blow off the comprehensive documentation and just kind of go code cowboy on it. Yeah. And like, so, so your developers are saying, are, are being tasked with like, hey, just get something done. Right. Um, there's, there's a clear backlog of priorities. That backlog of priorities are, is ordered generally by, by epics, right? So, uh, buckets of work or themes of work that all work together. Um, that are then broken down uh, into more detailed story type format where that that have clear acceptance tests and uh, descriptions. Um, so it's not um, it's not ditching documentation, but it's reformatting it in a way that's that gets um, gets that feedback cycle going earlier and gets shipping software. Uh, delivered faster. It's a crucial point of clarification too. I think part of the part of the talk, from what I hear you guys saying at DevSpace, was here's what Scrum is not saying, <laughs> and here's what it actually is saying. Mm-hmm. And, and those are really helpful clarifications. When we do it every day, we tend to take things for granted uh, or just kind of not question some things and take them as fact. Uh, it's helpful to to revisit these kind of fundamentals sometimes. Yeah, I think I think developers can um, be in one of two camps: either making sure everything's documented so that everybody's tail is covered in the event that, um, yeah, you know, that, and there's that, not a lot of, a lot the, of trust there. Like you said, yeah, that the, in that case, right. If the feedback is, Hey, I don't really like this thing. The developer can always lean back on comprehensive documentation, man. Mm-hmm. I did it exactly right. like the specs, the spec. but that kind of goes into one of the other points of, of agile, which is collaboration with the customer. Yeah. Uh, th- that's where the trust I think starts to come in is you're wanting, you're wanting to have a partnership with the customer. Um, and a partnership looks like a lot of back and forth. It's, it's, uh, the, the software team and the product team wanting to develop the best thing for the customer, not just the best thing for the contract. Um, and, um, not that change orders are always bad. It, they, they're, they're great. They can be, they can be just what's needed. Um, but if it's if it's just to if if it's not with a relationship or a trust factor in mind where you're you're out to do the best thing for the customer um then then that they can fall short and um it's been in my own experience it's been really great to work on products um and projects both where uh, that collaborative effect is alive um because you you can see the feedback from the customer 
and in a way that they get excited about what you're delivering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with that excitement, they're also able to give feedback around maybe what has missed the mark or, or what's changed on their side between the time that the project started and where we're delivering um, just some initial versions that are internal use only and, you know, not feature complete. Um, and so you, you have the opportunity to work with the client um, in, in rearranging the, the priorities that may be down the line in the project, right? Um, to make sure you're not just burning cycles on things that have changed, right? For the right. sake of delivering based on the contract. And you're talking about um, specifically collaboration with the customer um, with Scrum. And I, I, f- I feel like also what Scrum did was it brought in collaboration with other developers um, hmm. too, yeah. because uh, I felt like, um, you know, more in the waterfall process uh, or you know, company I was working for that um, had that more of that as their process. I felt a little bit that I was having to kind of cover my own bases with, with doc, you know, like you said, documentation, just say yeah. like, this is what I'm going to be doing and this is what I'm estimating as how long it's going to take. And I felt, I felt like that all fell on my shoulders to either if I got that estimate wrong, I'm going to be in trouble, you know, come the time when it's due. Mm-hmm. Right. And I felt like what Scrum did was said, you know what, let's work as a team. Um, we're all in this together to build this product. Um, you're not you're not on your own to have to you know deliver this functionality by yourself. And um, hmm. it uh, sort of solved that for me as a developer. It was nice to sort of be a part of a team again, I guess, um, is kind of the way I would describe it. Um, we'd sit down together and vote on these stories or requirements um, together as a team and, and commit as a team on the uh, what we felt like we could get done in within a two-week sprint, right? And then, um, and together, you know, if we, if, we, if we miss the mark, we share that together. It's not, a, um, it's not an individual sort of issue, I guess. Um, I don't know if that's fair to say, but it just felt like much more collaborative with even just our, with the developers I'm working on on the project. That's great. Yeah, so that's kind of um, the summation of point three from, from the beginning, four points that you laid out for us, Stephen, uh, customer collaboration over contract negotiation. The fourth one, and the last one, is uh, responding to change over following a plan. And I think we've kind of hit on that throughout. It, it just that the, the reality of the world is things change over time, and the longer the project is, the more things change as it kind of tends to go. And so um, how does Scrum help us solve changing things over, over the course of time rather than being uh, stuck with just a strict plan? Yeah, I mean, I can start. Um, definitely when you're working with a full spec, um, you know, in a, in a waterfall process, uh, if you've realized something in the first quarter of the documentation that's incorrect, right. you have to revisit the whole rest of your spec. Oh yeah. And, and, and cover every potential scenario, uh, that, that could be affected by this change. And so, um, when we're talking about responding to change, it's not, it's not flying by the seat of your pants. It's having a plan and having, um, having stories and epics articulated in a way that at the time that they're written, they make the most sense, but the way that they're structured, uh, it, it supports change that, that will, that will come because it does every time. Right. 
like things change. Um, whether it's because in implementation, the, the developers see additional complexity. And so because of that, the, the technical plan changes and the scope either grows or, or the team decides, Hey, actually there's a, there's a much more efficient way of completing this, this feature or leveraging this technology, or it's on the, on the product side. And because of that feedback that you're getting earlier, um, the, the customer internal or external, whoever they are, uh, they, they realize that, yeah, actually seeing this thing in, in action, um, yeah, this is exact, not exactly we're close, but this is not exactly what we need or, you know, things change on their side and they, they shift directions or priorities. And so maybe you're still working on the same project, but it grows by a third. Right. Um, and so the, the ability to be responsive to that sort of change, um, is a lot greater when, when you're not working from a 60, 70 page document. Right. I mean, the reality is the the customer usually doesn't know everything they want at the beginning, right? That's a good point. It's too. a discovery process. Yeah. Um, I found with Waterfall, the problem was is that by the time we finished it, it probably didn't meet what they wanted. And also, by the time we finished it, the customer lost that return on investment they initially were going after. And I feel like with Scrum, you can... this quarter, we're sort of speaking towards this iterative process, right? Mm-hmm. You can del- if you can deliver working software within the first sprint or two or whatever, right? They can look at that and they can they can help steer us. They can help say, yeah. this isn't exactly what I, now that I'm seeing it, like you're saying, Stephen. Now that I see it, this isn't exactly what I was thinking. Or it brings on more questions, right? They're starting. They're still discovering what they really are after. Um, and I think um, you know we can get quicker to their return on investment that mm-hmm. they're sort of they have this vision for for even doing the product in the first place so yeah i've, I've got a, a great example of that um i was sitting in a, a prospect meeting uh, a few weeks ago and we were talking around some ideas of things that this client wanted as a part of their software and uh, it seemed it seemed like there was a lot of great ideas there was some you know, differing priorities between the group of seven or eight people in the room. Um, and, um, I just challenged them. I said, you know, it sounds like maybe you guys need to go back and, and have some more meetings internally and really solidify the direction that you want to go. Uh, one of the folks in the meeting said, we know exactly what we want. Just start asking me questions and I'll, I'll, I'll answer (laughs) you exactly what we need. And, uh, it, it was a, I think that speaks to your point of, you know, sometimes the client doesn't know exactly what they want enough to articulate it in a way that's, that, that translates into stories, right. um, for developers. Or it sounds like um, even the right questions to ask sometimes. Sure. <laughs> I mean, and, and yeah. yeah, I mean, frankly, we don't know everything that, that we would like to know at the beginning either. We we're learning as we're going, of course, just like humans do. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think seeing any product at all helps to give better feedback. Right. Yep. So let's transition a little bit. Uh, we've kind of given the case for, well, we've, we've explained even what Scrum is and, and given, I think, the case for why you would want to use it and what scenarios it, it works well in and the, the values that it sort of trades off and, and holds dear. Let's move into more of a daily detail, nitty gritty kind of picture. Um, so what does Scrum actually look like it, once you've made the decision to do it? What, what does a project entail as far as 
um, meetings and just the tasks that we have to do in organizing those things. Sure, I'll, I'll speak to that. Um, as far as uh, what it looks like, um, usually you have um, some meetings, right, with Scrum. Uh, one of the first things um, that I think you get started on is, a, is having a backlog. And um, usually that involves um, a product owner, um, someone or someone in the business that knows, ex you know, generally what the requirements are to be able to um, write stories. So stories or requirements are basically just um, chunks of requirements broken down enough to where it's, it feels like we could accomplish this. Uh, a developer could get accomplished this in a, a set of time, right? And so, um, so the product owner will usually uh, uh, write those down in uh, stories, and that'll go into a backlog. And then backlog grooming is sort of like a sort of a meeting that you would have um, with the uh, development team. <clears throat> so it probably involved the product owner, uh, your development team, and um, and then Scrum Master, who's sort of uh, kind of dedicated to sort of coordinating the meeting and getting it getting it going, and, and also uh, uh, starting the conversation about each story. And so, what we'll do in in uh, uh, in grooming is sit down with those stories and go through each one um, with the product owner as part of the meeting. And developers usually look at that story, ask questions about that story. Sometimes we might determine that. The story's not ready to be groomed if we need to kind of go back and sort of get more details as far as what they're asking for um, before we uh, vote up, vote on it. But once we, you know, once everyone in the room sort of feels comfortable with the story itself, then we'll vote on it. Um, and there's all kinds of different voting um, ways of voting on stories. I mean, it really depends on your team on what you want, but, um, but, uh, what the experience I've had with voting has been more on complexity. So we'll vote on like, is this a, um, you know, a scale of complexity of, of how, how hard do we think this is going to be for us to do versus like hours. Um, but I've seen other teams do hours too. Um, but basically we'll score those, uh, score those stories. And then, um, we'll decide as a team as to how much we want, we're willing to commit to for, um, for the sprint, right? Uh, so usually sprints about two weeks and, um, we try to commit as a team to it. Um, so it's not just one individual saying, you know, this is what we're going to do. Uh, we commit to it as a team. And then, uh, and then basically we just have, we just start the sprint, right? For the next two weeks and each day, um, usually have a, another meeting that occurs every day is a daily standup. Um, so, so from here, yeah. we've, we've identified the work in the backlog. We've agreed to what the work looks like. We've, we've decided on how long is that going to take. And then we've tried to identify how much work can we get done in the next two weeks or the next sprint. Correct. And now we're sort of moving into what does the actual sprint look like with stand-ups? Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, usually uh, stand-up, um, the, the idea of stand-up is that you stand up. Um, <laughs> and uh, and that, that it's called a stand-up, not a meeting. Right. It's Nobody constant. likes more meetings. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and that that's right. Right. And it also uh, implies that it's, you know, it should be short, should be right? Short. Right. It um, should be. Want, you know, if we sit down in a meeting, um, lo and behold, before you know it, an hour passes, right? Um, but the idea of a stand-up is that we go around the table with each developer um, 
and um, we're trying to communicate three things, uh, what you did yesterday, uh, what uh, you're going to work on today, uh, what stories you're going to work on today, and then are there any blockers? And uh, if there are any blockers, um, the Scrum Master usually leads this discussion um, each, each morning. If there are any blockers, you bring those up to the uh, Scrum Master, and um, at that point, he tries to help you unblock, uh, get you unblocked. Uh, if there's something that needs to be done um, to get you rolling again, he's going to do everything he can to get that going. Um, so that's kind of how that works. Anything you would add to that, Stephen, on daily stand-up? No, I think you covered it. Yep. It's, uh, it, and it may sound like it's a meeting intense process. Um, and for somebody shifting from, uh, take the specs and go, go off in a corner for a few months and come back. It, it may, it may feel that way. Um, the idea of these meetings though are, are to be, uh, efficient and, and as quick as possible, right? It's not a big sit down, talk about all the things every time each, each type of meeting is a, as a laser focus on that step in the process. Um, and it goes back so, to the principles we were talking about, right? Responding to change rather than holding to a strict plan, collaborating with each other. Yep. You know, once, once the, once the daily standup has happened for the cycle of the sprint, whether that's two weeks or three weeks, however your team has decided it, the whole team gets back together. Um, again, with the development team, generally the scrum master and some sort of product representative product manager or stakeholder um, to demonstrate the work that's been done over the last sprint this is a chance for each developer to go through the stories that they've completed and um, in a you know in a sub environment like a staging environment demonstrate the work that they've completed this this gives a great chance for the developer to get feedback um, quicker feedback right within a sprint's time of the of the completed work um, and it also gives the chance for the product owner uh, or product representative to get a feel for what it's like even if it's not shippable software maybe it's a story that's a part of a of a of a group of stories it gives the product owner idea of of the progress uh, so it communicates great progress without actually having to provide some sort of progress document um, uh, and uh, so so the whole team will go through the completed work and demonstrate um, and then there's there's kind of a second part to that um, to that meeting which is the retrospective after the demonstration of all the completed work is done uh, and the feedbacks taken then the team shifts into more of a uh, an ans- uh, a meeting around answering three questions what what did we do well in the last sprint what could we have done better and what would we maybe like to change um, and that's a chance just for the whole team uh, to go through and kind of call out the things, the, the wins and celebrate those. And then a, as a team, call out things that, hey, as a team, we need to do this better. And it, it, it gives it gives a uh, it's like a built in team meeting, which is great. Right. Um, it's generally focused around the project itself, not as much of a you know company meeting, um, but naturally sometimes those things slip in and that's great and then the what can we do better uh whether it's uh dial back the process a little bit more institute a little more rigidity in the process that you have in place or use certain tooling that we've not used you know i feel like 
these tools are out there and we could have completed this work if we had leveraged that or uh, testing process or uh, you name it. I mean, there are crazy things that come up in, in the retrospective around what we could do differently. And sometimes it's it's just kind of personnel and team related. It's, hey, we need to talk more. I feel like you know, I was even in the sprint cycle, I was just here, uh, working on my stuff. But then when I went to merge, I realized, oh, this guy has work that's affecting my work. And if we had communicated better about that, or at least, um, pulled our head up a little bit higher and looked at the sprint board to see what other work was going on, we, we would have been able to collaborate better. Another example, maybe not a great one, but, um, of just things that get fleshed out in the retrospective. Um, when that meeting's done, either you take a break for lunch or uh, if you're really hardcore, then you roll right into planning. Some teams will, will come back the next day if there's, uh, depending on their process, uh, but then plan for the following sprint. So now in the process, we've identified the work, we've agreed to the work, we've done the work, we've reviewed the work, and then we go to the next logical step, which is start from step one, plan yeah. out the next, the yeah, next sprint right. and yep. continue, repeat. Yep. Or how well did we do with the work and then plan. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and repeat step one. Yep. I wanted to call out something Stephen just mentioned about the um, sprint review and um, retrospective. I think yeah. one of the most valuable uh, parts of Scrum is are those two meetings right there. And mainly just because of the idea of celebrating what you've worked on. Mm. I felt like uh, in other process we used before, you, d- you don't really get to celebrate um, or it's so far off. <laughs> until the project's done that it's sort of, you've kind of forgotten what it's you've lost, worked on. Yeah. yeah. You sort of lo- lose it, right? The pizzazz is gone. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, what's cool about scrum is that, um, you know, after two weeks of work, I mean, you've done a lot of work in two weeks and yeah. it's really cool to go back and look at what's all been done, not just your work, but other work that you've seen on your team. Right. And just celebrate that. And I think that really, um, I don't know, d- d- as a developer, that's, um, very satisfying, um, it shows that the work that you do really does matter and, um, and people care about it and it's really going to provide value. You get the opportunity to hear, um, the, uh, kind of the product owner or the person who is working on the product you know, understands the product, hear their feedback and mm-hmm. get wowed by it or, you know, not like it, <laughs> I guess is another thing that can come out of that, but that's good information yeah. to know so that you can make adjustments and, and get something that they're, they're going to really love. So. Yeah, I think that's a nod back to the people of a process. We True. we like yeah. to like to get things off of our plate when they're done and um receive uh the the feedback and the the gratitude and the thanks and man that's awesome. Like that that's that's the reason we work, right? We yep. w- we want people to be satisfied with the work that we're doing and uh that whole sprint review and retrospective time is a great uh, great time for for that people over process to be fleshed out. This has been a really good conversation about what Scrum is, why you should use it and what it looks like. Let's kind of, as we're concluding here, um, let's bring in a brief overview of the conversation we were having earlier uh, coming out of the conference. And that is just, are we doing authentic Scrum? As an agency, I think the hard part about, um, you you know, we would love to do Scrum on projects, but um, obviously if we get... uh, we get customers, various types of customers that we work with, and they have their own process, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, it could happen where, the, you know, they simply don't do Scrum. So 
um, I think it becomes uh, challenging to figure out, you know, what, um, how do we just sort of do what the, do what they're currently doing and sort of roll with it? Maybe the answer is yes. Um, or do we try to, um, and, you know, get them kind of on the bandwagon, I guess, if you will, with, uh, with, with doing Scrum. Yeah. Um, and various levels of projects, various organizations come to us expecting various levels of involvement and engagement, right? Some want expertise, even in the, the consulting and product project management space, not just doing the dev work, although that happens as well. So, you know, we have some, some leniency there as far as what we do. Yeah. Just uh, as, um, as the one looking at project management for, for our team, uh, the clear function agency, um, you're right, Ben. It, uh, sometimes it's just a dev involvement. They have mm-hmm. they have the process in place, and they have um, their their spec or their their backlog of items, and we're just coming in to to crank it out for right. them. Um, other times, it's it's more process involvement where they need a project manager, or they need even some product consulting. They've got the idea, they've got the frame of what they need, but they really need that collaboration. Uh, I think that's uh, a great area where both our team can shine um, and and provide significant value to a project, but also it changes the dynamic of the process. Um, so depending on where where they lean as a as a as a company, uh, or if they're open to to the ideas that, of how we would run the project, um, I'll, I'll say just as one managing a, a handful of projects they're all a bit different and I find myself trying to lean towards scrum, uh, in, in any way that I can. Some, um, I'll admit, I feel like that the process could be a little too much overhead just based on the project size. Hmm. Um, if you've got a team of two developers, maybe the daily standup isn't exactly needed. Maybe it's every other day. Um, do you need, do you need a full retrospective? That's a set planned hour right can it be 20 minutes or can it be over lunch or you know over 10 minutes of break just like we're breaking for work let's stand up and just kind of talk right um i I think i think those tools are necessary and the the steps are in place for a reason um i think it's because people work a certain way and Mm. so the pieces of the pieces of a of a scrum um, process, I think, are still important. But depending on the project size, it can flesh itself out in different ways. Um, but I think the idea, the core idea of 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 iterating on on a project and trying to deliver potentially shippable software as early as possible, um, and getting that collaboration with the client, I think those things. Are, should should always exist, mm. um, and so while it may not be a true Scrum story pointing, um, you know, uh, daily stand ups, uh, daily stand ups, right. and Fibonacci scale voting, <laughs> right? Um, I think I think the 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 points of an agile framework do transcend uh, all types of projects. Yeah, I was thinking about when you're talking about the different. Um, clients, uh, especially maybe even having, whether having a, a daily standup or not, um, you know, it may matter that, that it's the team is remote. Right. Mm-hmm. And so having a daily standup might be more helpful in those situations because they're, 
we're not standing next to each or sitting next to each other working right sure um and so it's kind of nice being able just to even if they're not necessarily doing scrum um just having that daily sort of get together quickly to kind of uh, see where everybody's at i think is helpful um obviously you want to try to not have it be a huge meeting but um but sort of the the daily stand-up idea um would be helpful i think um yeah. on those types of projects so yeah that that, that whole that whole thought of uh handling scrum in a remote work environment is something uh that could be its own podcast i think we actually almost right. did a podcast did like that remote work <laughs> and uh i think we definitely touched on some a bit of uh, scrum process in that just the idea of standing up and uh, being connected with the project and the the players and the project even if it's in a remote right remote environment listeners can go back and check out episode four to hear our talk on remote yeah. work we've gotten feedback that it's been fairly helpful for, for those who've listened and it's been one of the more listened to episodes so feel free to go check that out episode four of the podcast so any concluding thoughts today guys yeah i think this is great i i don't know i get excited about talking about scrum and working in projects um you know whether whether you're you're on the project side and you're managing teams of developers um those teams could work in this in a scrum process differently so i wouldn't i wouldn't again try to drive the process uh, to be consistent even among multiple dev teams in the same company um but i i, I definitely am a firm believer in in the process and the 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 core pieces of scrum and i'm i'm encouraged that we're a team that that values that and and tries to push that in the projects that we pursue you've been listening to it depends a podcast by clear function clear function is a group of happy engineers based in memphis tennessee We partner with visionaries to bring their ideas to life. For more information, check out our website at clearfunction.com.